Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of... You know, this actually would have been a good episode to do the Tuscan Raiders scream that it... I did, <laughs> that, w- that we failed to record previously. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, it's beneath the screen of the Ultra Critics. But uh, I, I was also thinking of doing Yoda, I was but then I realized that our... to do that or the actual sand person scream. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to do Yoda, but then I realized that our title is so long that it would Yoda would say it in a Yoda way, and that would make it incomprehensible. Like, oh, you might pass the screen out. of the Ultra Critics, we are beneath. <laughs> like that, that just doesn't work. Oh, we have a guest too. Yes, Hi. everyone, pl- please welcome Emily. Hi, everyone. Uh, Emily, uh, do you you have a uh, podcast yourself? Don't you? I do. I have a podcast about. Television mostly. Uh, talk about film as well, but mostly television. It's called Someday Will Be Syndicated. You can find oh, it wherever that. you find things. I keep, like syndicated is such an odd term to hear now. I know because because of the way that streaming services work. I, I was just like hit with this massive flush of date. It's not exactly deja vu because things are still in syndication, but it's mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah, yeah, syndication stuff is really weird now. It's like really like it's like the listener on Ion. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like a, a fun, very strictly television word that I like. So, well, that's cool. like, knowing so things about how. Head on over to someday we'll be in syndication. That's where you hear Emily. Uh, she's on here today to talk about um, a topic called. Uh, yes. Basically, we're going to talk about the Last Jedi. And, ah, yes. And, have, have you have you heard about the Star Wars? I think they're really going to take off. Uh... <laughs> Which is odd, because I just did an article about distribution rights, and I talked about a movie that came out the same weekend as Star Wars, and because it came out then, no one's ever heard of it. Movies don't come out the same week as Star Wars. They <laughs> fail to come out the same week as Star Wars. No, 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 no. It was, the first, it was A New Hope. It was way back in 1970. Oh, even worse, because they didn't even know to be braced right. for it. It was William oh. Friedkin's The Sorcerer. Oh... A movie that cost people. like ten million dollars more than Lucas's Star Wars, but yeah, no. Oh, that's oh, that's that is deeply sad. Because <laughs> like now, if you schedule a movie to come out the same weekend as uh, a Disney branded blockbuster sci-fi adventure film, either of Star Wars or of of Marvel Stripe, like you know that that's a that's a choice you're making. <laughs> You know that it means we have to release this, but we know it's not going to do well, so we might as well. It's either a a choosing to lose that fight, but wanting to lose it in second, at least, for whatever reason. Yeah. Or it is the dump the garbage slot. Like, it's Mm -hmm. where you put movies you know no one will care about. That way you can argue, oh, look, it made $14 million. Star Wars made three hundred. Doesn't matter. That's $14 million we didn't have before. Yeah, well, I mean, it would have done better, but Star Wars, you know? Right. <laughs> like, they don't decide that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not our fault this movie came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, movies movies are like like lunar eclipses. You can't control that. <laughs> you have to know math. Ridiculous. Right, so, The Last Jedi is a movie that is, I think the term divisive is a little bit weak. <laughs> Uh, it's divisive in the way that Martin Luther was divisive. Uh, <laughs> well, because... in a weird way, it does feel like Ryan Johnson did just like nail something to the door and walk away. He yes. did. Like yeah. this is Ryan Johnson's however many theses because I don't know religious history well. <laughs> well, yeah, because no, it's one of the things where like it's just things. Thad and I have talked about this. There's a movie comes out, everyone loves it, and then a year passes, and then all of a sudden people hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is starting yep. to happen with Force Awakens. And then The Last Jedi came out, and then you had this weird sort of like, the people who were bashing on Force Awakens going, well, this is too different. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's too much the same, it's too different. And uh... then the people who weren't bashing on Force Awakens going, you know, Force Awakens actually isn't that bad, and this movie is great! Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. The, the, the point that I always come back to as I think about these, I'll just give my final point first, because why not? Okay. Um, is it's, it's the thing that I'm most interested in thinking about, because it would be impossible to know, is that 
what would these movies be like if it were possible to watch them as just movies and not Star Wars? Well, yeah. And like, even, even kids can't do that because your parents are going to build you up. Like, you're going to know that Star Wars matters before you see these movies. Uh, it's inescapable at this point. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment, but that's really all, I, all it is to me. Is... Well, you want a, a weird... Uh, Emily knows him. Tyler Wick. Mm-hmm. Sweet guy. 21 years old. The first Star Wars movie he saw was one of the prequel trilogies. I mean, that's, that's not uncommon for that people was, like, a little like, bit you younger. I think the first Star Wars movies I saw were the prequels. Yeah, don't forget, Jeremiah, you and I are ancient as the gods of old. (laughs) um... But the thing was, like, he saw, like, one of the later ones. Oh, Oh, really? And so he was like, what's going on? And so the next one he watched was Rogue One. Oh! Oh. And he was like, this is kind of gritty. Oh, that's such a weird trajectory. Oh, my my God. God. His entire perception of Star Wars was the prequel trilogy, nice and shiny. So when Rogue One came around, it's like this is sort of like gritty and like I like Ooh. this. Wow, that makes God. so much sense of conversations I've had with him about Rogue One. Actually, <laughs> super interesting. Like, I, like, yeah. Rogue One is fine. It does like it doesn't fulfill what I want it to fulfill for me. Right. But yeah. like I remember talking to him, and he was like, "I love this movie," uh-huh. and I hated. Uh, like, Force Awakens, and I was like, "What?" God. Okay. It's it's actually so weird for me to. I don't know. It's it's weird for me to think about, but I I think one of the things uh, the more that I uh, that I look at it is it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. but I think Rogue One might be the best movie under the Star Wars brand. And I, like it, that goes against a lot, but I don't know. The when I when I look at it, and I just see the things that they do and the things that they sort of use the Star Wars universe to to do narratively. I find it kind of the most compelling, except maybe The Last Jedi. I, it's it's hard for me to pick. I would disagree solely on the fact that I didn't care about anyone in Rogue One. Yeah, but that's that's because you're wrong. So that's fine. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I get, that. Like, I get buddy. that. I get that. Um, I don't know. It's just the fact that it is the that it's not a mainline Star Wars movie to me gets me really excited about it conceptually, I guess. Like, it has plenty of flaws from character all the way down, but I'll fight for it in a lot of ways just because it is a war movie in the Star Wars universe, and I love that. Yeah, (laughs) I would agree with that. And I also, like, it makes me infinitely more excited than Solo ever could. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know what to expect. (laughs) I'm so afraid. Like, and part of it is because it's all main characters are people that we don't know. Um, And then also everything that's happening around Solo is just trash. Even even without knowing, like, I feel bad for a completely bland, replaceable guy that they got to play Han Solo. I mean, I'm joking a little bit, but I don't remember who he is. I love him, too. Alden, whatever his last name is. Here's the the thing. I was was talking with, with my known associate about Solo, I think, last night. Because uh, we were talking about Donald Glover. There's a really good um, profile on Donald Glover in The New Yorker to say something really snobbish. Um, but <laughs> there's a really good, well, I was reading a really good profile about Donald Glover, and it got me thinking about Solo. Because Donald Glover has what it takes, not just to be Lando, but I think Donald Glover has what it takes to be Han Solo. He oh, has, that, he has that. that charisma that you can't learn. He, the, yeah. the, like Harrison Ford had it. And they're they're like I think Denzel Washington has it. Like there there are certain actors that are just inherently like compelling and charming and intense all at once, and it's magic. Um, and this guy he may be a fine actor, but he doesn't have it. I can tell just from the trailers that it's like you might be good, it might be fun, it might be all of these things, but you don't have it. And I I it's unfortunate that everyone will always judge you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, like, I really like him as an act. Like, he was great in Hail... I love Hail Caesar. And he was oh. fabulous in it. Um, from that reaction, do you hate Hail Caesar? Is that going to be... No, no, no. I, I love... It, it, I can't hate a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Like, it's not possible. Um, I, I love that movie for so many reasons. And he is, like... I I was just like, oh, he's a revelation. Like, he's so funny <laughs> and, like, charming and wonderful that when he got cast, I was very excited. And I was like, I can see that. And then like, every time I've seen like new stuff, I've been like, Oh no. 
<laughs> oh no! Yeah, his like his hair looks awful. It doesn't even look. The like... hair is the the shockingest thing because if there is one thing <laughs> it's that so Rogue, bad. if there's one thing that Rogue One proved over anything else, it's that it is completely possible to shoot a movie in the seventies today. <laughs> yeah, like, somehow that is possible. Like they, they in the the what the actors they cast, how they did their hair, it all looked like it took place in contemporaneous to, to A New Hope. And that's, ah. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the other things about Rogue One that just gets to me is the, the product, like that commitment to production, like design. Yeah. To, at a haircut level is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, what's so confusing about his hair and the, just to go back for, for one second is that like Harrison Ford's hair looks a very specific way. Yeah. Okay, sure. But like it doesn't look like that. No. I don't. It like, looks like it looks like they bought a costume wig of a Harrison yeah. Ford haircut. Oh god, yeah. So exactly. it's not quite right and it's too big for his head. Oh, it's and so it's... big on his head. <laughs> it eats his head. It's swallowing it. It's so and, bad. Oh, okay. Anyway, we've spent 15 minutes talking I, about I just this. Want you and, to understand. And... <laughs> I I hear all of that and yet when I saw the trailer and I heard Woody Harrelson say I'm putting together a crew, I said screw it all, I'm in. Oh no, that's the thing is everything about it around Han Solo himself looks amazing. (laughs) Hard disagree. I'm so so stressed about it. (laughs) I didn't Uh, even work on it and I'm stressed about it. I don't know. To me, the the thing that gives me the most like interest in the non main series Star Wars movies, uh, thus far, just Rogue One. I guess this one will be an interesting test case and how much it holds up. But is the fact that at a core level, these aren't going to be trying and succeeding or trying and failing to be movie serial to be movie serials from the forties. Like, yeah, these are trying to do some other thing within this huge fantasy universe that none of us can ever escape. Uh, Which is something that I'm very interested in. And it's something that I want Marvel to do. And they kind of did with Spider-Man. I don't um, know. Where I... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just said, like, that, like, your universe is so big. And I feel this way about Star Trek, too, where I'm like, your universe is so big. You can do genre that isn't sci-fi action... Absolutely. And it's fine. And like I, I can watch a, a rom com that has nothing to do with the Skywalkers or oh, the Federation. God, I would watch a Star Wars rom com oh, all day. It would be great. It would be so oh. good. And that's what, like, that's what I'm hoping the Star 50 Wars. Fifty Shades story. of Coruscant. Like, let's make that. Do it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's kind of why I'm sad on multiple levels that Lord and Miller got fired from Solo. Is I was yeah. like, we're gonna get like a comedy heist movie. It's going to be awesome. Here's the thing. Here's what gives me external hope for solo, right? Like, because I thought about this recently and I realized we've seen this succeed already in Ant-Man. Like Ant-Man wasn't anybody's favorite uh, Marvel movie. I found it really charming and you could see those little echoes of Edgar Wright's ideas that that sort of survived. And Paul Rudd can't fail at anything. And, uh, and like they, they cast, like it had a great cast and it did well. And it was a comedy heist movie in the Marvel universe and it worked. And like it it was sort of a, it's, it's ranked in the sort of mid low tier Marvel movies, but I feel like that's kind of what my expectation for solo is right now. That's fair. Yeah. I, that, yeah. I would say that's, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Like my expectations are purely like, I just want this to be a really fun heist movie. And it's yeah. been so long since I've seen a really fun heist movie in Ant-Man, theaters I'm anyway, outside of like maybe Logan Lucky. Oh, Logan <laughs> Lucky. What a beaut. I love it. Oh, so good. Okay, so now let's talk yeah, let's about get... what we actually should talk about. <laughs> let's get to Last Jedi. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, first off, let's go down. We'll start with Emily. Last Jedi, love it, hate it, like it, what? Uh, completely obsessed. I love it the most. Um, I, I don't know if it's my favorite Star Wars movie in general, but fuck, it might be. <laughs> um, with with all the history of Star Wars, obviously behind it as well. But yeah, um, yeah I love it completely. Love. Oh, am I second? Am I second? Okay. Um, I cannot rank it in for for a few reasons, like because it breaks the needle for me from multiple right. directions. So mm-hmm. it's great. It is unabashedly great. It might be my favorite, 
but I can't tell if it's because of the movie's quality or because Ryan Johnson makes movies specifically for me as a person. Yeah. Uh, that the rest of you enjoyed is accidental. <laughs> um, I, like, it, seriously, like, I am the audience for Looper, for example. Like, that movie was made for me. Uh, thank you, Ryan. I don't know why you know me, but thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I absolutely love it uh, in all directions. I will gush about it forever. It can be, it, it can also be criticized in a bunch of ways, but it, I'm a little bit like over defensive for it because I love Ryan Johnson and I love this movie so much. Oh my God. <laughs> um, for me, I love it. I liked it when I first saw it, but I find with mm. Last Jedi, the farther I get away from it, the more I love it. Yeah. And yeah. I find Actually, that it sticks with me. Here's here's a secondary question. Okay. For for both of you, and then I guess also me. What was your favorite Star Wars movie before Last Jedi came out? If this is in danger of being your favorite one now, to whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, you want to take that? Um, I mean, I'm I've always okay. <laughs> Probably well, okay. So I. Uh, I shouldn't have sprung this. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I so I've always like we. I grew up in a household that was Star Wars and Star Trek. Mm. Uh, but okay. I always cared yeah, more because about we don't it. have to be enemies. Like no, yeah, exactly. 100%. My mom loved them both equally and wanted us to love them both equally. I, I had, so what I had you're saying is you tech- grew up in a healthy household. Yes. Uh, I, well, I had, sort of. <laughs> I had Enterprise technical manuals and I had Star Wars technical manuals, right. and they were they shared shelf space together. It was lovely. Yeah, um, our VHSs that all created designs for both C- series. Oh, all did you have the slipcase VHS collection for the Star Trek movies? Yes, we did. Like with the red nebula thing in the background. Oh, yes, oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like I grew up liking Star Trek more. So mm-hmm. like for me, my entry back into Star Wars was uh, Force Awakens. Um, and so like Force Awakens and I really love A New Hope, like a lot. Yeah. Uh, so probably one of those two. Um, If you listen to people are basically the same, but you know what? (laughs) Fuck it. They're both great. (laughs) I, yeah, no, I think that's a defense. Yeah. That's a easily defensible choice. I always loved Empire because I loved Yoda. Mm, That's true. (laughs) Uh, but no, Empire was always the movie I I always liked watching the most. Mm. Uh, I used to own all three on VHS that I copied, uh, taped off of an ABC movie of the week thing. Mm, with yes. commercials and everything? Did you get yes. some like, uh, did you get some Oshkosh commercials in oh, there? Because yes. I had those. Um, <laughs> I saw Force Awakens like four times in theaters with my wife, with Chloe. Mm. And I've only seen Last Jedi once, but I think about Last Jedi more than I do Force Awakens. Yeah, uh, I think it, it, it it's a movie that invites a lot of reconsideration. I, right. I well, that. not only that, but like it's it's legitimately weird in places. Oh yeah, yeah. Like know, when for me... she's on the island and Luke is getting like water milk and just drinking from the tea <laughs> and looking her in the eye, and she's all yeah. like, "What? I'm from Jakku. You kind of weird man." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah. Uh... Well, uh, for me, I don't know, like it's choosing, it's one of the original trilogy and I can never settle on one, including Return of the Jedi. I love Return of the Jedi right. and everybody who's like, Ewoks, uh, I've killed every Ewoks. person who said that to my face, like they're dead now. <laughs> I love them so um, much. <laughs> but yeah, like I, and not in the like clerks, like, oh, I, you know what? I realized there was something dark there the whole time. No, shut up, Randall. Um <laughs> It, like I just, I legit always loved Return of the Jedi because it's, of course, it's it's one of those things you can't see without seeing it in comparison to to Empire. But like Empire is all is all set up for this. Like it, it doesn't even make sense without Empire because that it starts with saving Han and it's it's bringing all this stuff together and it's resolving. You know what it is? It's it's like Back to the Future two and three. In fact, <laughs> it's a lot like Back to the Future two and three. Since- since much like this, the the thematic connections only make sense between those two movies, mm. because in the because they didn't know they were going to be making sequels. <laughs> yeah, that's true for for both of those. Like that's why that's why you know Back to the Future two and three bleed into each other perfectly, uh, and actually are a little contradictory or, or like add things that are super important but that you forget weren't there in the first place. Like Marty being like set off by being called Chicken was not in the first movie. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Now you think of that, Jimmy. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was completely <laughs> created to to make the second and third movies into one consistent story. Carries over from the first movie is tone, and that's it. It's yeah. it's kind of amazing to think about, but it's the same with Star Wars. Like the the Empire and Jedi were made to complement each other, but Star Wars only like A New Hope only set up the tone, right? And is not really connected in any other way. Yeah. Well, actually, but, now that you bring up Return of the Jedi, I have to confess, outside of Empire Strikes Back, Ewoks: hmm. The Battle of Endor, and I watched hmm. that one a bunch. Oh yes. <laughs> So good. Can we t- can we not talk about Last Jedi and instead talk about an Ewok adventure? Because I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> we another episode because it's been so okay. Long yeah, well, I've seen actually, my no my, my known associate in the background is like jumping up and down. If we do an Ewok episode, I think she wants in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right. So one of the complaints about the Last Jedi, not for me or probably you two. But one of the main complaints was it was too political, which oddly it was, but not nearly as blatantly political as some of the previous Star Wars movies were. Yeah. Uh, the entire people trilogy was a, a, a basically a treatise against the George W. Bush administration. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen some, like, I haven't rewatched them, but I've come pretty close recently because I've read a lot of really interesting, like, deep dive readings of the prequels. Right. And I'm just like... I know that the acting is wooden and bad and that I don't like the design decisions that they made, but I was also like, I was a teenager when I was watching those or like, a tw- or like a 20 something, which is the same as a teenager. Uh, and so yeah. like, I, I kind of want to watch them again, but I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I saw them in theaters when I was probably in middle school, I think is when the last yeah, one. I mean, came I out. loved episode one. Like I saw it in theaters and I loved it. The the first one that I actually hated on its own merits was Attack of the Clones, which I saw in theaters also, and never mm-hmm. again. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, one of my favorite, like, just like fun, non political, but like just like fun things for um for the prequel series is somebody was like, I think somebody from Cracked was like, you know, they're so much better if you think that Padme and Obi-Wan are having an affair. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard that theory. <laughs> and I love that. It makes me so happy. Or, like, want to be having an affair. And I'm like, I mean, oh, yeah, that's there's, great. There's some really interesting, like, sort of counter-readings or additions, like the, the Padme-Obi-Wan thing or the, the Jar Jar Sith Lord thing that are, I, I think, are yes. fun little, like, thought experiments to yeah. while watching. But, like, even on their face, like, like Jeremiah was saying, like, they do have a political like edge to them Mm -hmm. if you're willing to follow their just not good writing Um, but like think about where george lucas came from like anyone who has seen like thx 1138 knows that the dude has politics (laughs) well (laughs) the thing is george uh, uh, yeah george lucas he came about during the vietnam era and he said on the record that the original trilogy is basically an, an allegory for the Vietnam War. Hmm. And the rebels are, in fact, the Viet Cong. Yeah, it's... Uh, I I don't know. Like, that's one of those things, like, Dumbledore was gay, that I'm like, it's interesting, but I don't know that I buy that you thought this while you were writing. <laughs> right. Like, I appreciate you trying to make an argument, but... I don't know that I trust that this is what you thought. I also don't care if it's what they thought because right. I'm a because I'm an evil, hollow, postmodernist person. Well, no, no, uh, no. And... Death of the author and all that. <laughs> right. I only brought it up simply to illustrate, like, Star Wars has always had a political bent. Absolutely. And so this sort of uprising of how dare you get political with my Star Wars, I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, the they're, like it's anti-establishment on its face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, like, this not, and not only that, but, like, like the pop- they're space not, it's also, like, completely anti-fascism, like, yeah. they're space not, like, they're, they're space Nazis, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, like, what did you think the stormtroopers were? A nice well, I mean, police state? Yeah, well, and, and even, even the, uh, the, the name, prequel, oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, the name is from, like, has to do with, like, Nazis, so, like, from <laughs> right. fascism stuff, so, like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like, the prequels at their core are very much like this Republic has become sort of weak-willed in, like, paying attention to its own, like, responsibilities and and the things that it causes. And so it becomes a totalitarian empire. And, like, 
the Jedi have just been stupidly helping this happen because they're only interested in their themselves, essentially. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, again, it's not well written, <laughs> but there are interested... Like, it's not. It just isn't. Like, it, <laughs> just, just because I, I think the as an adult thinking about the broader political structures it's doing are... are there's some some sharpness there. Like, right. every time... Every time I say this, I'm going to launch into just they're they're badly written. It's bad, <laughs> but they do have clear politics, and I, I do think it's interesting how much people will ignore that until it says something they don't like, right? Uh, or, until it literally confronts them. There's nothing the Last Jedi is saying that is unpopular. <laughs> no, and, and there's nothing it's saying that Star Wars hasn't been saying all along, but it's saying it much more openly. I think is maybe the problem. Or it's being said by people who don't look like who they want main characters to look like. Yeah, anymore. They, they, it's being said by people who aren't white, <laughs> like or, or the fact that, that or one men. of the yeah right. one of the main like drivers of the plot and decision makers is literally a woman with dyed hair, which is like internet code for social justice war. Like I. I knew there were going to be like stupid hot takes about Holdo in the theater, and I I was in love with it. <laughs> Well, love her so much. Uh, she's the that, best. But like, she's so great. When Laura Dern showed up, I was like, I forgot you were in this. Oh my god, oh, do I get yeah. you for two and a half hours? Um, god, I love Laura Dern so much. <laughs> also, and, like... And also the fact that Laura Dern gets to look like a grown-ass woman. Uh, like, yes. Oh, she's not smooth. Like, she's she's stylish, but she's not smoothed out in, like, plastic wit. It's oh. Love it. Love everything. Plus, she gets to have like one of the coolest moments in the in, entire film. In film, I, I will fucking uh, fight for that scene. So good. Oh, the the hyperspace crash is. Oh. Well, what's great oh. is even the people who hate the movie are forced <laughs> to say they love that scene. Yeah. I know it's like, awesome. <laughs> it is an art, like it is an artistic cinematic moment that transcends hating the movie. <laughs> And it's so uh, sweet that Laura Dern with the purple hair is a part of it. Uh, yeah. It's like salt in the wound. And I like to think Ryan Johnson did that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I wouldn't be surprised. Like, the, the dude knows what's up. Well, what's one of the things, the many things that I think irked people about Last Jedi hmm. is the fact, the thing that I loved about it was I never knew where it was going. Yeah, and yeah. it took me a while into the movie to realize that part of the reason I was feeling weird was like I don't know what's going on. Mm. Oh my god, I don't know what's going on. Absolutely. Um, I also think that that it is willing to. I don't know. One of the things that's super interesting is that one of the things that a lot of people complain about, uh, which is of course one of the other best scenes in the movie, the scene on the the uh, Canto Bite, the Casino Planet. I don't uh, understand which I, that. I, I love I love that whole place, and the 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 thing that's fascinating to me about that is I'm also a kid who grew up reading Star Wars novels and comics and other like expanded universe nonsense that that right. no one should ever care about, and I love it. <laughs> um, but that's it's the kind of things that like fans go to like novels and comics to do to go in weird asides to other planets and like see more of the texture of the universe. Yeah, and they're doing that here, and it has a point narratively. It's not <laughs> as direct, but it's still like, oh, why do they do that? Why are they going off to do this thing? And what? Cool. This is literally why people make Wikipedia things, like <laughs> to to go off and see what else is going on in the universe. Now, pacing wise, yeah, it is it's a, a little, little long. It, it is a little overlong, and the fact that they're like shooting off in the middle of this long term chase is questionable. Yeah. I don't care. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but it like it sort of sums up the entire point of the movie. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a thematic like here's the theme if you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't help but know also the like just before the candle by scene, there's a moment with Benicio del Toro's character, DJ. Oh, Benicio. So and, I, and when he showed up again, I kept forgetting people I loved were in this movie. Yeah. Right? God, it's he showed up with talent. Like, is that Benicio? Holy crap, that's Benicio! Yeah. This movie is stuffed with talent. And of course, this means that Benicio Del Toro is playing two different, incredibly eccentric characters in <laughs> Disney's two huge sci-fi space <laughs> universes. Like, <laughs> One of them was so eccentric, the people who loved the movie thought it was weird for that movie. <laughs> also, he and Jeff Goldblum's character are literally related. 
in in Marvel. <laughs> that makes total sense. But uh, his character in the Last Jedi, he talk he's talking to Finn, and he he says like he he makes the point that the rebels are buying weapons from these people too. Yeah, and yeah. people are like oh that's just a a really lazy both sides argument. And I'm like that's no. not what he's saying. Oh, it's an argument against capitalism. Fight me! <laughs> How is it? Come at me. like military-industrial complex, but, yeah. you know, I'm going to get my revolutionary on over here. But not only that, I'm like, how is it that you use the term lazy thinking and then give me the laziest thinking I've ever heard? <laughs> right. right? Uh, there, there is no ethical consumption under having a constant war. <laughs> not, yeah. Not Turns all. out... <laughs> I also truly hope that his character is so interesting, I, I'm and I torn. hope he i I hope he lived. <laughs> like I'm, I'm torn. Like I either want to see him again, or I never want to see him again. <laughs> and not because I don't like him, but because I think that's a narrative move that people don't make enough. That that's someone true. Can, that someone can be incredibly interesting, but not a part of the ongoing plot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like the, this is, I, I'm in the middle of watching uh, Altered Carbon on Netflix. I still haven't started it yet. It's it's okay. Um, yeah. Like style, like style wise, I love it. Um, I just, re- I, I actually, despite being a huge cyberpunk fan, I I only read the novel for the first time recently, just before watching the series. And the things that drive me nuts about it are a lot of the things that drive me nuts about you know some choices that are made in Star Wars movies as a whole, which is that everything has to be special and everything has to be related to the main plot. Mm. And I think also like last Jedi does a good job of going against this, which is especially good because it's one of those things. A lot of people complained about in the force awakens, right. not just like, yeah, you know, if by the way, if JJ Abrams uh, undoes uh, Ryan Johnson's thing of making Ray's parentage, not I will it, come at him. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will find I'll, him. Like we will find him and eat him. Like, <laughs> Well, because I'm actually with you because I've been defending him because I love Force Awakens, but if he undoes that, I'm like, no, yeah. no, oh, no I'm, lo- I'm done with him. I love Force <laughs> Awakens, but, you. but again, Force Awakens is good because of. Uh, I'm going to be really mean here. I think that that J.J. Abrams is a is a talented guy, and he, and clearly he he knows how to do some good stuff. But his greatest talent is mimicking other people's cinematic voices. <laughs> that was why Super 8 was good, and that was why Force Awakens was good. He was doing he was doing George Lucas, or like early George Lucas, but more so. Right. Yeah. And if he tries to do his J.J. Abrams bullshit to, <laughs> to make Ray's parents secretly, du- like double secret actually matter, ugh. <laughs> ugh. I just like, I don't like... I only need so much mystery box, and then I'm just tired. Thank you. And I don't need it anymore. Like, like, that's the thing, is that, like, he's famous for his stupid TED talk about the mystery box. And what does does everybody hate about Lost? I haven't even, by the way, I never watched Lost because I knew this was coming. I knew it was coming because TV always betrays me. Like with with rare exception, television writing will always betray you, especially as long term as Lost was going, because they don't know how it's going to end. They don't. No, yeah. They are lying, and they're just <laughs> keeping balls in the air, and they're adding more, and they're adding more, and it will never tie together uh, because they're not writing to tie it together. They're writing to keep you watching week to week. Well, and that, I mean, Lost is interesting because it's like the rise of showrunners and like. Yeah. The that was like when, as a modern audience, we started caring about Absolutely. that <laughs> and had access to the people. And I think that, you know that that shifted things in a way that that like you know we, we've seen great we've seen that pay dividends in like the the sort of the rise of the showrunner with things like The Wire or things like uh, a lot of basically almost anything HBO has been doing. Ryan Murphy. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Ryan Murphy's there with his Ryan, fucking no. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, that's true. I don't know why I always forget Fox. Ryan Murphy when I say these things. Um, <laughs> he, I feel like Ryan Murphy's a little bit quieter about that in some. Like he doesn't make as public an ass of himself, or maybe I just miss it when he does. Well, no, the only show he's really ever really vocal was was Glee, and then all yeah. the other shows he tends to be just behind the scenes getting the work done. Yeah, yeah. he couldn't stop talking during Glee. Well, yeah, I mean, I to be so, fair, that's also because no one would let him stop talking. True. Yeah, that's true. But it's like so, was massive. 
So I don't know. I I worry. I worry for the bad habits I know J.J. Abrams has. Right. Uh, Last Jedi did its own thing so much, and it makes me excited for the fact that Ryan Johnson is going to be the essentially the showrunner for the next trilogy of Star Wars movies. However, I want to say not excited about D and D doing a trilogy series. The guys who did Game of Thrones. Mm. Not excited about that. <laughs> I've never seen an episode. Mm. Not excited about that, especially like whatever other problems I have with them plus whatever. But this season of Game of Thrones, where they had no source material, yeah. fucking went off the rails. <laughs> yep. Like it's a yep. fucking mess. There are cool parts of it, but it's a mess. Because that's like, the thing, like, the responsible thing to do, uh, like, responsible to the narrative, to be clear, like, responsible to the art of storytelling, and they can't do this for a number of reasons, like, even just technical reasons, but would be to just put the show on hiatus. Yeah. But you can't, for financial reasons, and because the actors will all continue to age. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 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 just because of keeping people's attention and all the but, like, yeah, they outran the source material. And this this happens a lot in um, adaptations of manga. Uh, the, yes. There's a, a famous example with Helsing. Um, mm-hmm. In that there was a, a Helsing anime. Uh, Jeremiah is now tuned out. Um, there's a, there a Helsing anime that came out while the, the manga was still being published. And it quickly outran the manga and started making things up. And it was awful. <laughs> but it also gives me hope because later... They they made like after the manga finished, they made like the the ultimate version and like redid a whole thing of of animating it, but with the actual source material storyline that was far better. And a very common thing to do in yeah. anime and manga, they did it with Full Metal Alchemist as well. Oh yeah, 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 that one too. Which uh, like I actually prefer the original anime of Full Metal Alchemist because like I, I don't have opinions on that one. I, I miss Full Metal Alchemist, <laughs> uh, but they but- did. This is like, one of those things that, like, it, it would give me hope if they could just wait on uh, on Game of Thrones, and then, like, once the once the next novel comes out in like twenty thirty, just thaw the cast out <laughs> and do an animated version with like a budget. Just do right. that; it'll be fine. But they're not gonna anyway. So Star Wars. Right, right. <laughs> I think it was tangentially related. Yeah, 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 the puzzle box thing. The puzzle box complaint is odd because everyone has that same complaint, and yet when The Last Jedi came out, the number one thing I heard was they didn't answer all these questions I had. Yeah, and like, I will fight everyone whose complaint was that. Right, that's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they answered the questions that needed answering to move the story along, and then they didn't answer the questions that didn't need answering because not yeah. they didn't need to be questions. Like, right. one of the argue about the most because as i've said my my known associate she she is also annoyed by it and i get why i just i disagree is the snoke (laughs) thing um like the snoke thing like him being like set up as this important figure and then being not only not explained but not explained and then killed off i don't mind that for a few reasons uh if if i may digress briefly about this go ahead um, one being that I think people overread the importance of Snoke because we have already seen two trilogies of Star Wars movies in wherein the Emperor eventually ended up mattering. Right. Yeah. But if we think about this chronologically, in the first Star Wars movie, the Emperor is only mentioned and only in that, like, he's going to use the Death Star to, to, like, dissolve the Republic and all this other stuff. Like, he conceptually exists. But he doesn't matter. He's not the antagonist. It's Tarkin Invader. Um, and then in Empire Strikes Back, we see the Emperor briefly, played by a completely different actor, and he <laughs> just is conspiring with Vader to turn Luke evil. And that's all we know. We, uh, other than that, he doesn't matter. We don't know anything about his background. None of it matters. Um, and he just is there to, to sort of interact with Vader and give Vader someone to talk to to explain to us the dangers of falling to the dark side. Uh, he's a he's a narrative tool, and then in Return of the Jedi, he finally exists kind of as a character, but again, he's largely there as a story tool to give like uh, a form to the corruption that happened to Luke's father and a physical thing that could be defeated to achieve Vader's redemption. Right. But we still don't know any like he's thrown into the thing and dies, and we don't ever know anything about where he came from, why he has fourth powers or anything. The word Sith has never come up in any movie at this point, and uh any none of that. We don't know until the prequels come out any of his background. Uh, and even then we don't know 
how he became a we don't know how he learned force powers right we never learn anything about the emperor right. the prequels pretend that we that we do but we don't we never learn anything about him he doesn't matter really i learned uh, more about the emperor from robot chicken sketches right <laughs> because right. robot chicken sketches are are you know great <laughs> Well, they but are like, really to, concerned Star Wars 20 years ago, not so much now. Yeah, but to me, like, we're, we're approaching Snoke as though he's going to develop like the Emperor kind of developed from a vague threat to a more coherent, although still completely unexplained, uh, character. Right. Instead, he just fulfills the function of Kylo Ren becoming, like, transitioning from wanting, being a Darth Vader fanboy... Wanting to be Darth Vader so bad. God, I love that. That that was an inspired so choice. <laughs> I will give J.J. Abrams all the credit in the world. Like, that's not <laughs> something from the original trilogy. It's a great choice, and it made him one of the most compelling characters of the new trilogy, hands down. But also, he's just there to, like, give Kylo Ren something to develop beyond. Like, by the end of Last Jedi, Kylo has become the villain that he wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, and I I don't care about any of the rest of it. It like it doesn't it doesn't help explain Luke's failure to know that like uh, Snoke came from the secret Sith cult planet of whatever. Like I don't <laughs> care. He has no, the, yeah. he has evil powers for the same reason the Emperor has evil powers because somebody has to have evil pl- powers to move the plot. Like. Yeah. He's it's a plot just like device. giving a face to the to like the person who radicalized. Yeah, he's right. he's the, Ming the, the actual villain. And that is that is all I need. He's Ming the Merciless without having a yellow peril caricature added to him, and fine. Like that's yeah. that well, to me is my full thing about Snoke. I don't care because I don't think it's important. It's not, uh, but at the same time, it's weird. It's part of a trilogy. We know there's another one coming, so I'm yeah. Baffled as to why everyone thought all the answers would be answered, all the questions would be answered. In the middle one, th- yeah. This one, like we have a whole like, other yeah. movie to go. Yeah, and and that I think is fair. Also, like maybe we will learn more about Snoke later. Right. And I think that that maybe one of the other things is just a consequence of how we interact with media now. Like you, like we we all. I feel like actually, no, I don't know how old Emily is, but um. Like, at the very least, Jeremiah, you and I remember living in a world where there was never going to be any more Star Wars. Like, we existed in that world, and it was, like, our standard. It wasn't good or bad, it was just the world. But but now, we get so much Star Wars constantly, and we're so used to certain, like, kinds of fulfillment from popular media storytelling that... It, it's much easier to be like, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Like, it's, I don't know, it's 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 like complaints rather than criticism become the norm in a weird right. way. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's uh, that's just me though. I don't know. I could be over. Uh, I, I I acknowledge that my like aggressive not caring about Snoke has its own flaws. So <laughs> the only thing that I wanted from Snoke is I just like I wanted him to be teeny tiny. <laughs> that's all I wanted. I think because, everybody. Like, Actually, no, no. Because he's huge. Like, the first time you see him, he, yeah. it's like the huge projection. And I was like, it would be great if he could fit in your hand. Yeah, no, I, I would have loved if Snoke was smaller than Yoda. I agree. That would have been great. Oh, it would have been awesome. Or yeah, if Snoke were actual sized. Like, what if he oh, yeah, was he... that big? <laughs> yeah, like some extreme. But he's just like normal size because Andy yeah. Circus is playing that's, him and they're just doing whatever. That's fair. I, well, yeah, but Andy Circus played King Kong. Dude can do anything. It's fine. <laughs> Well, and I will say, and this bleeds into something else I wanted to talk about, cinematically, Last Jedi yeah. is probably one of the best Star Wars movies as well, simply in terms of, like, how it's put together visually and edited. Because oh, if you notice, Snoke is almost at all times, when uh, you have Rey and Kylo on screen, he's in the background. Hmm. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's looming over He's them. not employed. Yeah. He's, 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 not, he's not explicable, but he's also inescapable. Right. Like, it's... Like he's he's not meant to be he's meant to like he's meant to be background he's not meant to be the subject. What's really interesting what yeah. Ryan Johnson is caring about is Raylo. Sorry, Raylo. Uh, Kylo. Ray and Kylo. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Oh. Yeah. And like, not to mention the fact that oh, I don't know. There, there's so much about like the interactions between uh, Kylo and Ray that are just amazing. Like, it, it makes me look back and kind of judge. 
uh, Return of the Jedi. I love Return of the Jedi, as I said, but judge it a little bit more harshly because, like, the threat of Rey becoming something else beyond just the good guy right. is way more prevalent here because she, like, the chemistry and the connection between her and Kylo is way more on screen than, like, Luke and his dad being like, son, father. <laughs> like, and I, again, I love Empire. I love Jedi. Uh, that broad storytelling works in what they were doing. But, man, like, Last Jedi does all of that and crafts its characters in a much more realized way. It's just Well, not beautiful. only that, but the tension between Rey and Kylo... It's it's not a sexual tension. It's like it's, it's not romantic. romantic or sexual at all, and I love it. It's just like I it's was a... so worried. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was like holding my breath. I was like, please do not do don't, this thing. Yeah. Don't please hold do hands not. in a weird romantic way. Don't like what? Like, no, it wasn't, and it was so good. And the whole could you put on a shit thing? I think what's on it's just like okay, I I, I don't feel comfortable. Why are you that with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They're both so put off by that moment. <laughs> Like, they're just like, even, Kylo's like, what are you doing in my room? What the hell? <laughs> this is an invasion of privacy, lady. It's so good. Oh. Uh, yeah, the lack of romance between those characters is perfect. Because, oh. yeah, like, because the, their, their interaction and their connection is through alienation and through dealing with, like, power and responsibilities beyond what they could really handle. And it's just, oh. Not only like that, what they, what they the want versus the reality of getting it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The shared relationship with Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's very obvious that Kylo is not a fan. He did try to kill him. <laughs> and his sleep, not fair. Yeah. And Rey is, at the very least, beholden to Luke because of Leia and Han. Yeah. And I well, and she's and because of her childhood. Like, she heard right. she heard stories. Like, it's... Luke, yeah, Luke's, she she had Luke, this like hero worship, and it's been crushed. Yeah, like the character of Luke Skywalker matters to her. Yeah, well, and in that way, like, what's so great I think about this trilogy is that it is us. It yeah. is the generation that grew up with Star Wars. Yeah, and they're um, all they're all reflective of that, especially Rey and Kylo. And Poe. Um, oh, po. yeah, oh, yeah. Ray, Ray Kyle, and Poe. Finn is the outsider, yeah. so it doesn't really apply to him because, like many protagonists in fantasy movies, he's a child soldier uh, who is irreparably damaged <laughs> from, you know, uh, being brainwashed his whole life. Like most hero characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you do. But, but yeah, like uh, Poe and, and Ray and Kylo are all like. Kylo's got the the Darth Vader worship and all of that, and like Poe has the the like hero pilot like Han Solo uh, wedge Angelis kind of character worship. <laughs> yeah, he's the Han, and he's he's he actually is really good at being the Han, but he also <laughs> forefronts the flaws that Han never got to like be called out for having. Yeah. and oh, and and Ray is like the, the the Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight fan, and that that's the other thing is, is so many people are like oh, I can't believe, like, Luke failed in all these ways and it's terrible. And, like, yeah, that's why that's why Rey is reacting the same way as you are. Despite right. the fact that you say that you hate her and that she makes no sense. Ah! <laughs> Rey really, is you! How do you not see that? It's really baffling when you see the consequence of not having a diverse media yeah. and when you see people not being able to relate to what is clearly meant to be an audience avatar. Oh yeah, it's cuz she's a woman. Right. That's the only reason that like people <laughs> don't want to relate to the fact that she's having all the responses that these people have. Like she's the you know there, there's that oh she's a Mary Sue character and she's too powerful. Yeah, and she's freaked out by that because she doesn't get it either and it makes no sense and it drives her curiosity and her isolation because of the family she never had and I just Also like I'm sorry, we see Luke, like, do, like, one or two things in yeah. A New Hope. Like, in a weird montage whatever. He's, yeah. like, fucking around with a lightsaber. Montage. And then he's just, like, powerful. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> in what ways, like, in what ways is she not Luke? I don't know. I, like, I, it's fucking mind-boggling. Yeah, I to, don't. to me, a lot of it comes back to... Uh, uh, the, and again, like we're we're on the fundamentals, and it's always fun for me to say this: is that fandom ruins everything. 
Yeah. I feel like that's our existence as a podcast. What our goal is to get to get a certain kinds of fandom. Like I, of course, am a child of many fandoms, and and I I have bad habits from that. But it's it, it encourages a certain kind of nitpickiness that is fun, but is also like toxic to enjoying stories. Yeah. Well. You brought up an interesting point about the Avatar. I, I want to talk to Emily real quick on something. You yes. mentioned something, uh, talking about another controversial scene, the Leia in space scene. Oh, yeah. The the best? You yes. mean oh, the greatest Carrie. thing oh. to my life? You mean the moments that I cried in the cinema? Uh, Great. Yeah, you, like, if I had talk human emotions, <laughs> I too would have wept. Like, that was... Oh. Well, so when I hear it called unrealistic, I'm like, this is a movie literally about space wizards and an intergalactic... Force powers power. aren't real. Also, my favorite thing in the world, though, is... Did you see Ryan Johnson had that tweet, like, stream? He just did, like, a thread where he, like, was responding. It, it happened a couple of weeks after, like, one or two weeks. I think he finally was like, okay, I'm gonna, like, deal with this. And he, like, all right, did, fine. like... I'm gonna light all of you people on fire, and then I'm done. Yeah, he just, like, he took a bunch of photos of him, like, going to his, like, library and pulling out one of the, like, oh, yeah, yeah. resource books and being like, ah, look at what the Force powers do. The literal, <laughs> the Jedi Path book, which is, yeah. like, their canon Jedi, like, lore tome. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, and he's just like, I wonder, hmm, crazy. And I'm just like, yeah, like, it's, like it's canon, suck like it. It's, it's been super interesting, because I think there are there are, are good things that happen, and there are bad things that happen when you have people that were basically grown and baked in these fandoms making movies and things in it. Because you, it's something that you can you can track this happening in comics. Uh, it sort of happened, to me, it happened there first. Because Jeff Johns uh, is that incarnate for basically all of DC comics for the last like 15, maybe 20 years at this point. I don't remember how time works, but um, like he started bring he started bringing back all of these like silver age things because it's what he grew up reading, but he did it really well. And uh, there are ways that it can be like exclusionary and, and fan to me, but it, it can also like benefit in some, I don't know. It's weird. Well, like uh, I was just like, if you could, if you could briefly, like, just explain to me, uh, Emily, if you could, like, why that scene hits you so hard. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, I um, it it hits me hard because we have known that to some degree that like obviously Leia must have force powers of some mm. kind, like right. her pedigree, like we we have like literally in the in the trailer for the Force Awakens at the, like, most recent is, like, the... Uh, is Luke doing the piece where he's, like, I have it, my sister oh, has yeah. it. Like, all... And you're just, like, oh, my God. And then we don't really see her use Force powers in Force Awakens at all. Yeah. Um, and then to, like, not only see her use them, but to see her, like, save her own life with them. I mean, that... Yeah. It's just amazing. Like the, it's Well, it's also something that I feel like it... It, it was probably always in the script. I, I don't doubt that. But there's also like, also because of Carrie. Yeah, she passed away, died. and we all expected her to be killed in the movie. Like, oh, I think I, th- I, she gets sucked out, and I like, I okay. So when I when I get emotional during stuff, I don't cry usually when I'm sad. I usually cry at like hopeful things and like yeah. happy things. Right. Yeah, for me, uh, for me, it's like I only cry when I'm angry. So it's like I, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> So, like, I didn't cry when I thought Leia was going to die, but I felt the emotional equivalent. Yeah. I I did, because I was like, I thought he, like, I was like, I didn't know what Ryan Johnson was going to do. Yeah. Um, I was like, I mean, it would make sense if they killed her, because they can't put her in anything else. And, right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we eventually learned Luke also fucking dies in this movie, and yeah. Han is dead, and, like, what, and, He's like... Well, and they promised he pro- they promised the um, Billy Lord basically. They promised the estate that they wouldn't do any more digital stuff of yeah. her. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm like, what are they like? It would make sense if they killed her, but mm. like, this is so depressing. Like, this is the, like, <laughs> yeah. the most depressing way to kill her. She just gets sucked into space. Like, yeah. like what the hell? Um, and then to have like this like ultimate 
hero Jesus moment that like female characters don't really get to have. She, yeah, um, she was literally she brought herself back to life, <laughs> and we all thought that she was dead. Like it's yeah. God, it's magic. Oh, oh, I get well, tingles. Not only that, but I think what this movie did was showcase just how good Carrie Fisher was. Yeah. Mm. Because I love always loved Carrie Fisher, but it's one of the things where sometimes you're like, I didn't I knew you were good, I didn't realize you were this good. Yeah. And it's so like, like what, it's what, when sort she of a comes... tragedy because like, well, what movies didn't you get a chance to do? Well, and, and we get to see her it's not just the the saving herself with the force thing though, because we get to see her do this twice. Right. Because when she's in a coma, we as viewers, I would argue we, I, I think, I know I did, and I presume everybody else thought that that was going to be it. That was going to be like, oh, she's going to be in a coma and she'll like right. slip away or whatever else. Yeah. And so when she comes swaggering in and sh- shoots, blows oh, the door off, the- like <laughs> just Bless. this was oh everything. <laughs> it was everything. Um, but I think I don't know. I feel like we're getting close to when we have to start like wrapping up to some kind of we point that's not that just point, us. Sadly, yes. That's- it's not just us I, gushing. Okay, I do want to, like, just say one of the other big criticisms that I have been, like, hearing and seeing forever is the stuff with Poe and... The opening? Like, the prank not, call? No, oh. not just the opening, but just, like, his arc. And, like, that, like, oh, she should have told him all the plans and, like, that entire, oh. like, yeah. train of thought. And I'm like, excuse me, he got demoted, so he doesn't deserve to know anything, first of all. She, 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 he got demoted by someone that she trusts implicitly. Like, yeah. um, And it also, like, it is, like, that storyline for Poe is so what this whole movie, the chase, the failure within the chase is yeah. to me, which is, like, what you learn from failures. Right. Yes. That, like, you don't always have to succeed to learn something. Right. Victory, like, when, beating the enemy isn't the only kind of victory. Right. Yeah. Well, not um, about that, but even the thing about him, like, the opening scene, like, not being in character, I'm like, yeah, it is. It's what he does in the first movie, the first time we meet him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Poe just likes screwing with people the first time. <laughs> Do you talk or I talk? Yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah. like it's not out of nowhere. Poe likes to screw with people who think they have power over him. Like it's what he does. Uh, and it's also part of his weakness because he doesn't respect the people who actually do have experience and authority over him except Leia. And even then, like he still screws up. Like it's, I don't know. If I were, if I were to give my thesis about like what The Last Jedi represents is I think it shows the it gives me hope in a way that Force Awakens didn't and I loved Force Awakens don't get me wrong but Force Force Awakens also had the implicit threat of giving us what we wanted and right. doing it well like it, it, it last jedi to me shows that it's possible to carry on the tone the feel the star warsiness as it were the sort of platonic ideal of star wars and do unexpected different things with it to not be static. Cause I think the threat to this kind of storytelling that is this beloved and this huge is in how we want what we've had. Like it's comforting and walking that line between like showing how much more it can be. And yeah, it'll cause arguments and it'll be weird and uncomfortable and, and some people like it and some people won't like it, but it still feels like star Wars and it still moves us to new interesting things. Like, And I was afraid after Force Awakens that we would just get really slick repackagings forever. And I wouldn't hate that, but it wouldn't be this. So I guess that's my spiel. Uh, Emily, you got any last thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I, not really. I just love this movie. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I think... Um, I think... The stuff with Luke, which, I mean, is also a point of controversy in that, yeah. like, he gave all those interviews where he was like, oh, I didn't like what Ryan Johnson wrote, and, but I still yeah. had to do it because I'm an actor. And I'm like, man, do I trust you with this character anymore then? <laughs> like, because this is the perfect arc to, like, yeah. like, your legends are real, and they bleed, and they fail, and it's important to know that and carry on regardless. Yeah. Right, and I yeah. think that, like... That's what it is. Absolutely. Also, uh, MVP, Puppet Yoda. 
Like I love everybody else, uh, but Puppet Yoda is MVP. Also, though, okay, I want to. Okay, so sorry, have, sorry, we were trying to end, and I did. No, I know. I just like I like I like Yoda. I don't completely love Yoda in general, but no. like I also I understand why it is Yoda, but I also was like. When the light came, I was like, oh, is it going to be Ewan McGregor? Is it going to be Obi-Wan? Uh, and it wasn't. And I was like, oh, but it's a puppet. So that's cool. Okay. Um, also, yeah, that's fair. Ewan McGregor, like, doing Golden Globe stuff with his Obi-Wan Kenobi facial hair and hair, <laughs> pretending like we don't know he's probably going to make a cameo in Solo is <laughs> fucking uh, All right. We got to wrap this up. Um, that's all yeah. the time we have for this episode. Uh Tune in next time for another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Don't forget to check our review and rate us on iTunes. Don't forget to check out The Phantom Minimalist, Unabashed Book Snoppery, and Ladies First, and Emily's podcast. Um, we'll, we'll Someday we'll be syndicated. One day we'll be syndicated. That's Someday. all the time we Someday. have. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Say goodbye, Thad. I, I, I don't have a Star Wars noise to do here. There we go. That's good enough. Bye. Beautiful.